0: Well, I'm excited about uh, this episode, episode 11, actually, of our Conversations for Change, and I'm going to introduce two people that I know well, and uh, love, and trust. We're going to talk a little bit about the journey of our relationship. They're part of the Liberty Church Global team, uh, and I'm going to bring on screen right now, Lou Zenti. Hey, guys.
1: Hey. Paul. Hi, Paul. <laughs>
0: So this incredible couple right here, uh, joining us from Manzini, Eswatini in Southern Africa. And I'll get you guys in a minute to share a little bit of your backgrounds and your story. But, um, you know, as we were getting ready to hit record on this conversation, just reflecting back on what's now a seven-year uh, journey together since yeah. 2013. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in Johannesburg Airport, right? The first time that we hung out. Introduced yeah. By, uh, yeah. yeah, that's right. <laughs> we were introduced by uh, one of our long-term strategic missions partners called Children's Cup that we'd been mm-hmm. uh, doing some initial work with and they said you need to know these guys and boy were they right. Uh, and then we spent a couple of years doing some work on the ground in Zimbabwe and then come was it 2015? You moved? Yeah.
2: yeah, moved back to SWAT uh, in 2015.
0: And what, what have you been doing there with us? Tell everybody, this is so cool.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. really excited to share. Um, so, in 2016, after we had moved to Swaziland, just about six months later, we moved to Manzini, mm-hmm. where we are right now, and we launched a community center, which eventually grew into a church. Uh, three years old now, going on four, yep. and it's been a really amazing journey. I think the the best part of our married years have been in this season of life that we're in, and I just get to share.
3: Yeah, very true. I think I, that's exactly what I'll say. The best part of our married life together has been here. Just so much grace and fruit um, and joy. We love absolutely love what we are doing here in Manzini and what God is doing, and yeah it's the best it's been the best so far and we still we believe the best is yet to come but it's been the best so far <laughs> <laughs> yeah
2: and like you see, it's been a journey and we're looking forward to actually sharing some some of that as we are talking but like mm-hmm. um it's not something that would we'll trade for anything it's something that we cherish
1: yeah. working with you
2: paul and the whole liberty team is something that for us is family
1: yeah
0: Yeah, well, I feel the same. I've actually, somebody asked me recently how many times had I been to Africa, and I realized I I actually have lost track now Um, in those years of coming at least twice a year, Um, and I think Jesse, our second son, has been six times, five or six times now, Um, and uh, has fallen in love at one stage recently, told us he was going to move to Durban when he grows up, so we'll see, but his heart seems to be in Africa (laughs) with you guys, and I don't know just, I think over those years of meals and conversations and doing different ministry and then you know what a credit to you guys that this community center that was already really busy six days a week I think like 40 organizations a year from the city council to NGOs and churches I mean around the clock that place has been busy serving the city
1: yeah.
0: uh, as a gift to the city really and then and then the fact that that's flourished into this amazing local church liberty church manzini which you guys you know pastor together you co-lead do an incredible job so you lead both a full-time community center and a church and we we uh we love you guys i just honor you for your leadership and you're right in the midst at the moment that we're recording this of the possibility of buying land you might be the first liberty community uh that could (laughs) own a piece of property and build a community center and a church on it man we're praying for that huh yeah I'm yeah, looking definitely. forward to it yeah. getting
2: towards the ending stages, which normally mean a bit more tension, <laughs> a bit more pressing, but we're believing that we'll get it over the line
1: yes
0: yeah. yeah amen well let's start let's back it up a little bit. i know we you know we have some things that would be great to talk about, like always. this is just kind of a an unscripted conversation, but I know just from the journey of relationship with you guys too. Um, you know, at this moment, th- these conversations, the conversations for change are really intended to talk about um, race and injustice and the gospel, the local church. And um, one of the reasons I was so keen to have a conversation with you guys is that obviously you bring a different perspective. Um, and uh, right now, and understandably so, here in the U.S. where I live, there's a, a, a cry for, um, for justice, for reconciliation. There's a lot of um, important conversations hard conversations being had and real change that needs to be had as well um and yet i also recognize that there's a there's a bigger narrative as well than what we're experiencing in the us and i'd love to hear some of your own perspectives um on i don't know race and prejudice and um, maybe you can like wind it back and give us a little bit of the the story of your own lives and families and Maybe that can weave into our understanding of
1: of what we're experiencing today. I'll let you guys take it. Yeah,
2: Yeah, thank you, Paul. I'll go first. And uh, the story of uh, my experience with discrimination is um, it really starts with my parents who experienced what is called colonialism. And it was basically people coming into uh, the native land here in uh, Africa. And taking it and colonizing it and then um, making it run as a as a part of the United Kingdom. Mm-hmm. And um, my father fought that system in what was called the liberation struggle. And um, of the four or five Southern African countries, Zimbabwe and South Africa had the bloodiest wars. I think the South Africa's the one in South Africa was the one that was the most brutal. But um, he tells me that in going through the war, like he had some of the people that he knew personally actually pass away in the war. Mm -hmm. But um, in having sat down and spoken to him, obviously expecting that he would be Peter, he, he has surprised me at just how sweet and how mellow he is when he talks about it and he just brings so much wisdom. Having fought the war and fought that discrimination, which did not allow black people to. Get a formal education beyond a certain level. Mm-hmm. It did not allow them in certain parts of the country. Mm-hmm. It um it, it took basic rights, even some parts of uh, the land and the economy, mines were taken away. Like when I looked at all of those injustices, it was a bit incredible for me that he wasn't Peter. even actually fought the system. Mm-hmm. And A couple of things that I learned from that, I think the first thing that I I wanted to share is just my experience of it has been experiencing the effects of discrimination. And when I look at some of what is happening in America, when I look at some of what people are crying out against, as someone who has experienced the effects of discrimination, I can say without a shadow of a doubt that it is not something that is good. It is something that we must make sure that we are actually crying out against. You know, I think of all the children, Paul, who are maybe watching the news right now, mm-hmm. um, thinking to how this may be affecting them in 10, 15 years. And um, I think of even just the gaps in terms of the social and the economic status and the way in which relationships are built. And I look back and I, I see that discrimination is something – that doesn't just affect those who go through it. It affects the next generation and the next generation. And my hope is that we can come out on the other side of this having made things brighter for the coming generation.
3: Mm. Yeah, Um, I think on my side, my journey is that I was raised, I was born in Zambia, in Lusaka, Zambia. And then when we were, when I was eight years old, my family moved to Swaziland at the time, now called Eswatini, and so I grew up here as a foreigner most of my life. And I, in both Zambia and in Swaziland, Eswatini, we don't really have um, big racial stuff, so I didn't really experience. Um, prejudice race or racism from people that were a different race than me but I experienced prejudice, um, prejudice behavior from people that were the same race as me but a different nationality. Um, growing up from a very young age I was made aware that I was different and I remember to this day like I speak Saswati I actually teach Swati lessons to foreigners as a foreigner myself because one of the things that I made a decision to do really quickly was to learn the language so that I could fit in because I was made aware that I didn't fit in. Um, I was different, I could speak the language, I wasn't like everybody else. And so I have had to walk through that, um, learned a lot of good and important lessons. And this necklace I'm wearing actually was a gift I was given this Sunday um, that was really special, a special gift, but it's it's really meaningful. It has the flag of Swaziland, a flag of Zimbabwe, and then Liberty um, Church in the middle. And it's kind of my journey, like people sometimes will say, where are you from? And I'll be like, ah, wherever you want me to be from, because <laughs> I have a Zambian passport, married to Zimbabwe and lived this long in um, Eswatini. And then I spent some time in the States doing a, a discipleship program there and just made some good connections. And so that has a little bit of a feeling of a sense of home. And I just, I'm from everywhere. And I feel like what unites all of those things um, with Liberty being the middle, representing the church of God is just my experience with Christ and those that I've been able to connect with through that. Yeah. And so it's been a, a, a journey for sure. And we are now here in a certain so pastoring a church here. Um, we love this it. is, yeah, this is my home. Like I'll tell people, um, I don't have a passport from here because it's a process, but um, it's become home and love being here, but it's been a journey.
1: Hmm.
0: It's interesting, you know, you you mentioned uh, even some of those experiences, you know, uh, between different niche, nationalities. I think that was you know, honestly, a lot of these conversations for change, my ignorance is showing, you know, and um, (laughs) one of those things for me was coming and realizing, oh, you know, even obviously, you know, you you can see in the global narrative and in the U.S. narrative, you know, um, racial injustice between, you know, uh, black and white, but even to see within certain communities, uh, within just Southern Africa, which is my limited experience, how you know Swati and Zulu and Dabela, Lu, or you know what I mean, even yeah. um, different different people, the Shona, and you know just realizing yeah. that um, you know whether it's whether it's racism or bias or prejudice or pr- pride, different things they just they're a part of human nature, aren't they? Yep.
3: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I
2: actually was reading a book, uh, I think yesterday or the day before. And it was talking about how prejudice is a heart thing. Mm -hmm. And these things that we are talking about, it really is something that points us back to the heart. Mm -hmm. And that's why you find it happens between um, people of different races. Mm -hmm. But it will happen within the same race. It will happen between people of different tribes. Sometimes it may be an issue of social or economic status, Mm -hmm. and um, regardless of what form it's showing up in, I think um, this conversation is about looking back in our hearts and asking ourselves, am I making prejudgments that are not based on, you know, facts, that are not based on reason? Because that's what prejudice is, you know, and I think, what you said about that—it's a similar thing, and it's it's showing up in a different setting. Yeah. It's just reminding us of that there really is one thing that is at work here, and I love this illustration of um, the church being at the center mm-hmm. because I believe that's where we have the opportunity to be the light.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, that's where we have the opportunity to actually bring in something into this conversation mm-hmm. that probably is not available anywhere else. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, because, I mean, Liberty Church there in Manzini is actually quite a diverse community, isn't it? Um, it is not it I mean, you've got people from, all. I mean, what are some of the nations that you guys are impacting?
3: The nations we have, obviously, Zambia and Zimbabwe, um, but we have other Zambians <laughs> and Zimbabweans um, at church as well. And then we have somebody from Rwanda. We have um, people from the US, people from the UK. We had an Australian um, couple that were here for a short while, not Porn and Andy. <laughs> um, and yeah, we have Congo, we have Congo um, even like different languages, you know, like Siswati is just one of the many languages, even though I hear in Eswatini. Yeah. So, yeah, quite a few nations, quite a few languages, mm-hmm. and it's, we love that. Yeah,
2: we actually do need to speak in English. Because if we used one of the native African languages, we will miss even other Africans. Each other, yeah. <laughs> the way that Manzini is, like in Swaziland, it is quite central. Yeah. And so you have Mozambicans, you have Zimbabweans, you have different people. I think mm-hmm. we it's have dy-
3: Mozambican, actually. Yeah.
2: It's the dynamic of cities. Yeah. And um, probably it's something that is a reminder to us every day about what the kingdom is meant to
1: be like.
0: Yes. Yeah. You know when we were getting ready to hit records into you said something i don't remember exactly how you expressed it but one of the things you were talking about you know in in you know even as we walk through challenges and reconciliation um and believing for real change you know um both in the church and in and in broader society you talked about victory can you what was it you were, you were talking about what it is to walk in in victory could you maybe share a little bit about that
3: yeah So as a young child, as a teenager, I really had a victim mentality as a foreigner here and it was not um, for, it it had reason in that it was difficult like I've shared. So there was many challenges that I faced and the older I grew, the more real the challenges became. Like we were saying, things that keep you back, right? So maybe you can't get a scholarship even though you got the same grades as someone else or you can't get certain access to bank stuff, even though you're paying, your parents are paying the same tax as somebody else. And so it was these real challenges that when you sit down you're just like, oh, I feel like my hands are tied and it's not my fault. And it's something you can't change. And so it made me walk around like a victim. But then over time, um, I began to see by God's grace, I began to see the the gifts that this had given me Um, one huge gift even in being married to Lou in being here and all of the, the life that I've lived is because I was raised here as a foreigner I had to learn all of these things that have made me who I am and I became a very flexible person I joked and said I won't say what country I'm from but on a serious note like I obviously love my country I know God had me born there for a reason and I value that um, but there's a looseness with which I hold it that is a gift that I may not have had if I had grown up there. And um, I've also just been able to really easily appreciate differences and different people. I'm not yeah. thrown off by it. And it's allowed me to live the life that God has called me to live. We were actually um, listening at the ARC. We were having an ARC meetup and the last teaching, which um, was really, really good and practical, was speaking about invitation. Um, and I told Blue, I said, I really love that because I feel like God has given me the grace of connecting people my favorite thing to do is just to connect people and i think because i grew up where i value connection because it was missing because wherever i'd go i'd be left out or i'd be seen differently i have now this grace to bring people together i wouldn't trade all of those things for the difficulties um, that brought them um, and i've been able to see god's hand and in it and so now when i look back at my life i see purpose in it and it helps me walk with my head high it helps me walk knowing yes there are some things I couldn't have controlled and there were a lot of unfair things that happened and they probably need to change um some have changed some still need to change but that doesn't make me a victim and that doesn't keep me from experiencing God's purpose for my life in fact God has used it to help me experience his purpose and I love the life that I get to live
0: Mm. yeah that's really good it is really good I've heard you describe it as um Walking in victory even before things around me have changed. I think like the way of the world most times is we celebrate when things are different or you know what I mean, like there's that sort of a mindset of the world, but you know, what is what does that look like for you? What is walking? I mean, you really I just think you've just articulated is that what does it look like to walk in 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 victory?
3: Yeah I think one of the things is just learning to receive the grace that has been given to me, knowing that it's not going to come from changed circumstances. So like when we started planting Liberty Church, you know, those fears came up again. Like people will be like, oh, but she's a foreign pastor and who does she think she is? And like real fears that came up. Um, but I was like, no, that's, I don't need to receive that, um, reject those lies, reject those thoughts, and begin to pursue real relationships, and mm-hmm. someone that has become, you know, a really key member of our church, but also a good friend that I enjoy doing life with, and we share stuff with, is Sbongile, who is, you know, Swazi lady, um, lives in Mafuteni, there with her family, she's come to church, she loves the Lord, and she's been growing, and we are so different um, culturally, nationally, like, you know, I could have been afraid of connecting because I would have thought she would have seen me, um, should have segregated, should have treated me um, differently because I was different. But instead I opened up um, and I chose to refuse those thoughts and got to have a really good relationship with her. Mm -hmm. Um, But not just with her. I feel like in all of my relationships and in all of my approach to what we're doing here, in Swaziland and with other nationalities, I've been able to choose how I'm going to approach the situation, how I'm going to approach the people.
1: Yeah.
3: Even though I know that they still may treat me a certain way, things may still be this way, I can choose to respond differently. And I found so many beautiful surprises of great relationships and great things happening um, here at church, in the city, um, even in family. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's interesting, you know, I... I've been on a learning curve, and you guys have been a big part of my education uh, in a good way. Um, but I think one of the things that we 've talked about often over the years and, and even touched on it a little bit in this this conversation, Lou, you were talking about a little bit of the of the history of uh, Zimbabwe, what, what was Rhodesia at one time, um, yeah. and some of the struggles you know. Um, Could you guys share a little bit about, I think, you know, uh, some of the people watching will be more familiar with uh, colonialism, but I think um, maybe you could speak a little bit to that, to that history and, and it's a little bit more complex, you know, I think, I think Mm -hmm. you have some interesting insights on this too, Lou, a little bit like what you were just sharing then, Zinti, about finding the blessing and the grace, even in certain hardships and and what, you know, what it can shape in you. I mean, I think to your point, what you were just sharing, I mean, I think part of your strength today as um, community pastors in our church and what you do globally for our church to make us better comes from that place of being able to bridge cultures and divides and empathize and, and that almost like a global perspective that you bring. I think it's so powerful, but maybe Lou, you could speak a little bit to um, colonialism and I guess some of the, some of the complexity of, of that.
2: Yeah, I can speak a little bit into that and I think um, I'll share a lot of what I learned um, just sitting down and talking to my father, not mm-hmm. even just something that was in a textbook, but like from his experience, mm-hmm. a big part of it um, had to do with um, the, United Kingdom coming in, and the word that was used was colonialism, but basically what they would do is take over the control of the nation, take over the control of the resources, take over the control of um, uh, how the livelihood is run, and then segregate between uh, those who are a part of the colonialist or what you would call the upper class and those who are the nationals, but are pretty much working for the colonialists. And the way in which it happened is, um, if you were if you were being colonized against, you couldn't really get a, a certain education beyond a certain point, you're not allowed to get a certain education. There were certain places where you couldn't shop. Mm. I think this may be slightly similar to some of what happened Um, way back in the the U.S. in terms of uh, segregation. There was um, that part of it. But then as well, it was other things, you know, that um, even taking over people's farms, that was a big thing, um, taking over the fertile land. So people still had land, but the land that you had was not really good for commercial farming. You know, it was not really good for supporting um, your livestock. Mm. And talking about the complexities that um, you asked about, if, as I'm describing this, I'm sure some people listening might be like, I'm sure there's nothing good that came out of this system. (laughs) But, you know, as I sat down and actually spoke to my father because I learned it in school. And for me, it was pretty much like something that I began to paint as like the black part of like, everything about this system was bad. But I sat down and spoke to my father, and he began to open my eyes to the development that came Mm. because of it. Mm. He opened my eyes to the fact that this opened the door to Christianity. Mm. You know, I I started to reconcile uh, how that happened, but that came from it. I remember there was a time when the Zimbabwean education system was the best in all of Africa.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I mean, people came from other parts of Africa to do university in Zimbabwe. And that is a part of the result of what happened during colonialism. So it's complex in that you look at it and you definitely see some things that you're like, no, this needs to be addressed, this is not okay. Yeah. But there is some good that has come out of it. And to Zinti's point, being working in victory in looking at that for me has been about looking back at it and being thankful for the good that has come out while having the courage to speak about what needs to change.
1: Um, And those
2: two things, not being in conflict
1: Mm -hmm. and
2: trying to uh, realize and accept that there are a few things in this life that we experience that are like maybe 100% good. There was completely nothing that couldn't be improved about that. Or maybe 100% bad. Like that was just like a complete tragedy. But I think with this, as it is with many other things, we can look back and if we ask God to give us the right eyes, we can see in there some good. And I've definitely benefited from it um, in the way I'm able to speak, the way I'm able to articulate myself. I'm in the process of writing a book now, and I look back at all of that education, and I'm sure I'm benefiting positively for it. So I can not look back at it and dismiss all of it as bad.
0: Mm. So it's interesting because, um, you know, obviously we're a church planting church, and um, you guys have been a part of that, and you've got it in your hearts, you know, for Manzini to be a hub. Uh, for church planting regionally or across the continent and beyond. We don't know wherever God would have them go. I I pray it'll be a Manzini will be a sending center, right? Um, Amen. Yeah. I mean, you've got that so clearly on your lives, apostolic missional sort of calling. It's interesting because we've talked about this over the years. um, I've always had like a little bit of nervousness about, church planting that if church planting is done badly um i mean the phrase i used sometimes is i was concerned that church planting would be the new colonialism uh, <laughs> that if we're not careful we have like a colonial mindset to the way that we um plant churches which is this idea that we've come to almost to conquer honestly or um, you know white savior white messiah type of complex right or that um let me show you how to do it, or I don't know, that there would not be equality or partnership, there wouldn't, frankly, I don't even know, sometimes uh, in my ex- experiences, and my experiences are limited, but I do think there is a risk with all kinds of things that we call missions, um, that we might not actually carry the kingdom culture and value and imago day as much as we maybe think we do. I don't know, would you guys feel comfortable to speak to some of that, because we've been on a journey too, right? You know, seven years together, yeah. of trying to figure out, wait, is, what what are, we, what are we doing here? What kingdom and what culture are we building? Um, maybe you could speak to that a little if you, if you feel comfortable.
2: Yeah, no, I would love to speak into it. It, it is quite uh, sensitive because it is happening right now. Mm-hmm. And maybe even some of the experiences include the person who is on the other side of this screen but um, we'll try and uh, give it a shot um, the best way that we can share, and then give into a chance to share. Um, but um, I think uh, when you look at the way that missions is done, there definitely is the danger for that colonialist mentality to, to creep in a little bit. And I think the way in which we have seen it is maybe coming into missions with the mentality that well, we are the ones that are always going to help. And um, maybe the Africans are the ones that are always going to need the help. Mm-hmm. And while that sounds sincere, you know, um, in a sense, it pretty much begins to already kind of separate people, puts some in one box and puts others in another box.
1: Yeah.
2: And that is prejudice. And it's sensitive because as well, there is a lot of good that has come from it. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we can sit here and honestly say, uh, from the bottom of our heart, we are very thankful. Very thankful for all, all of that we have experienced in our Liberty years and even in the years before with CAP and with all of our missionary experiences. There's a lot that we are thankful for.
1: Yeah.
2: But then there's also the tension that there are some things in there that I'm like, okay, this is beginning to feel. <laughs> like prejudice. Mm -hmm. And I think more than questioning people's motives, I think it's about just learning to know that that danger is real, Mm -hmm. that danger is present, and um, it calls us to have the courage to be able to have the hard conversation. Kind of like we have had, I know between us and you, Paul, we have had hard conversations about maybe this is not quite applicable in uh, Africa without disrespecting the vision of uh, Liberty Church Global. And that's a really difficult tension because when you think about it, you are our lead pastor, but we are pastoring in a context that is really different to New York, you know, where maybe a service that is one hour long might be... um, nail on on time in new york but for us in Swaziland, it might still be warm up
1: you know (laughs)
2: it might still be the (laughs) pre-service but those were hard conversations and i i I agree with you that it's it's a journey things that we have learned over time i'm really grateful that this journey is seven years between us and you Mm -hmm. and it keeps going because there are some things that we've learned now that we didn't know five years ago And I'm sure that there's other things that we'll learn going forward. Mm -hmm. But that danger is real. That danger is present. And I think for us, one of the things that has kind of helped us, particularly working um, with liberty, is learning to to not just prejudge people. Mm -hmm. Like when you say something and we don't understand, I've tried to allow myself to not make a prejudgment and kind of be slow to come into a conclusion mm-hmm. because there are some things that if someone in Swaziland said I, I could immediately read into what they are saying and think oh this is what they mean but you are in New York I'm in Swaziland, the contexts are so different and so learning to give each other the benefit of the doubt I feel like it has saved this relationship
1: mm-hmm. and
2: I feel like it has this relationship and I think that's something that can also work with all um, relationships between the people in the missionary world that we're in, where you've got help coming from the Western world, coming to a third world um, context. And I don't think it's only Africa, really. I think about it. There's many other places that this could apply to. But learning to give people the benefit of the doubt has kept us um, from being bitter and, you know, learning to let some things go. Like, there are some things that I'm like, well... The, this is not a hill that I'm willing to die on.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and just, we'll, we'll keep that um, sermon series. It's fine. It's okay. It's, it's I remember <laughs> this one time
2: Nicole told us there was a sermon series, and she said, Swipe right. The, yeah, the dating um, one was going to be called Swipe Right. And I have no idea what Swipe Right meant.
1: <laughs> Thankfully,
2: she got it, and I want to give her credit because she got it and she was like, I'm sure this could be different for you guys, and uh, you are free to go with a different topic. And yes, we did.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: but that's a little bit of our experience, and definitely something that is actually happening for. And I, I think it's something that if we allow ourselves to search our hearts, give people the benefit of the doubt, it will save this because there's a lot of good that's coming from it.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree um, with all of that. And we've definitely experienced that. I think what I would add as well is, you know, Lou just used the term, he said Africa. And I, through missionary experiences, grew to become really irritated with that term um, and have repented. And now I'm just a little irritated. <laughs> and I'll explain why, Lou, um, because I feel like it, um Represents a little bit of a misunderstanding that causes people to come in and then fail to build healthy relationships. So I will say, for example, um, that why I wouldn't use the term Africa um, when I'm referring. And I understand it helps people, you know, know where you're going and like understand the geographic situation. But um, Egypt is in Africa. I don't know Egyptians. I I, I don't know Egyptian culture. It's not. It, we're not the same. <laughs> Swaziland is in Africa, Egypt is in Africa, um, Tanzania is in Africa, Zaire is in Africa, all of these countries I'm mentioning are so different. Like there are countries on their own. There's people in there. And so if I come in and I group everyone together, it's going to give me a mindset that is going to make me start batting heads with people, prejudgments like Lou said, because maybe, you know, in and- some people may even like, write books or something, you know, like the African did. So the African, I'm like, no, like that's, that's quite misleading. And that will end up keeping you from knowing um, and building relationships. And I say that because one of the series we did as a church, which we really loved was Powerful People. Um, and we shared, I actually shared the message on staying, choosing connection all the time. Um, really challenged me and encouraged me as well. But so we need to choose connection all the time, even when we come from different places, even when, you know, the missionaries come. And I think what will help that choosing of connection is for me to see Paul. You know, if I'm just like, oh, all the people from the West, it's going to kind of hinder me. So I can use that to kind of give me a bit of a context, a starting point. It's a starting point, but there's still a long way to go before I get to know Paul. Otherwise, if I just like look on Google about the people from the West, and then I come and I treat Paul based on that, our relationship is going to experience some tension. So that's what I experienced. Um, We got saved into a missionary church um, that was in Azulini, and like Lou said, so many great experiences through that church. I got to go to the States and attend an incredible um, program that absolutely changed my life. Um, through that church, you know, we all, God saved, served, like, I learned guitar there, I learned keyboard there, amazing, incredible things that are affecting me to this day, Um, so much fruit, and then Children's Cup, again, just incredible, we met through that, like, just so, so much good, but at the same time, I remember always experiencing that, and I would be like, you know, what could help our interactions be sweeter, and stronger, and deeper, which is what I really appreciated, I feel like, from you and Andy um, and just the whole Liberty family is just that mindset of coming in and being willing to, you know, go deeper, go past that. Like, yes, you know, you're African. Okay. Yes. You're Zimbabwean. Okay. You're Zinti and give room for that. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that's huge. And it helps us to continue to choose and shift despite those differences.
2: Yeah. I think it's really about connecting with the actual person. Yeah not with the idea of, okay, this is the box that Africans are in. Yeah.
1: This,
2: is the, this is what you experience in Africa or in, in the third world. But it's like when you really have a connection with Lumile, you, you may be surprised in the same way that when we have a personal connection with somebody in the States, there's also some things that are unique about them. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the missionary world will really benefit from what's in the
0: other. Well, I think you you know you raise an interesting point too because sadly it's not only when we're judging or prejudging things or categorizing things um, from afar, but even um, going on a missions trip, so to speak. You know, and even that terminology can become tricky, right? Because when is it missions? Am I a missionary? I'm kind of a missionary as an Australian in New York, right? But I think in a you know. Some mindsets is difficult to think of yourselves as being a mission field, right? We the the Western again, I'm generalizing, but the Western mm-hmm. mindset tends to imagine the mission field is somewhere else, and then loaded up with that idea comes the idea yeah. of what you were sharing before, you know, Lou, that I'm the one with something to teach, I'm the one with something to give. Um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and, you know, I'm not saying that with judgment because I realize, you know, you know, I've been on that journey myself of what does it mean to just realize that, you know, as um, Ashley Abercrombie used to be on our team, she always used to say, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. Do I believe that?
1: Yeah.
0: Do I, mm-hmm. do I believe that, That you know, because loaded up inside this idea sometimes is this kind of a savior complex we ride in on our horse to save the day. And then we say yeah. things that we think sound very noble, like you get back from a missions trip maybe and uh, you say, oh, you know, and you say with wide-eyed surprise, like, I was even more blessed um, than, you know, what than blessing other people. And it's like, that sounds very noble, but it's like, well, why are you so surprised that you, were, <laughs> that you learned so much? Why are you so surprised that you were blessed and impacted? Did you think that this was like a one-way transaction on any level, perhaps, just maybe? Um, That's big. It's a big deal. And I know, look, we've had to do so much. I mean, I I don't say work in a bad way. I think we've worked at our relationship, right? And it's still by no means perfect, but I look back on a seven year journey. And I I mean, I want to stop for a minute actually and just honor the two of you Um, because uh, you have unusual courage in the way that you approach relationship. You, I mean, what you're saying there, you're encouraging others, you know, giving the benefit of the doubt, but I know I've been the recipient of that. Um, and I also know from even just our conversations that sometimes, you know, like just navigating there's layers here. You have, you know, I'm, I'm not American, I'm Australian, and that has some other things And I'm now an adopted American. There's, so there's leadership dynamics because I'm a lead pastor and, and then, Mm. you know, then there's the dynamics of like planting and leading together long distance, even if there was no cultural differences has its things. And I remember one of the first times you guys came to the US was one of our earlier staff retreats. And I said to Lou, how did you enjoy the staff retreat? And you were like, oh, it's great. But I could see a little something in your eyes. And I said, what did you really think? And I, rem- I still remember to this day, you said, you know, I was uncomfortable with how much you let people disagree with you. <laughs> <laughs> and we had, this, we had this really interesting conversation about different um, culture, different, leadership, you know, um, yeah. and I know some of the way that you were raised was there's a discomfort maybe around disagreeing with a leader, especially publicly or, and, and so that's been, and I'm not, that's neither good nor bad, right? That's just some of how the culture you were raised in, but I realized, like, I, I want to honor you because um in spite of that training and those instincts, you many times, and with great honor, have, I think, stepped across that discomfort, both of you have, um, to say, have you thought about this, or help me understand what you meant when you said, or have you considered that when you did this, it maybe came across like that, and and whether it was ill-intentioned or well-intentioned, you know, on on my side or on the side of of the, the team, maybe visiting or being in homes, I just... I really want to thank you both because it's been a great example to me of um, I don't know courage, wisdom, um, and uh, I'm just really I'm just, I guess I'm just saying I'm 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 grateful for that because I feel I'm a I'm a better leader um, for it.
2: Thank you, Paul. Yeah, thank we, you. We greatly appreciate that.
1: Yeah,
2: and I agree with you that it it really has been a journey, and I think for us the. The one thing that has been constant through this journey is um the permission to learn. You know, mm-hmm. I I can look back at some times where, you know, like when we look back at it we're like, what? you know, that we didn't do that one that well. But knowing and even going through this process, knowing that okay, we're not in this uh, maybe performance bubble where yeah. if the performance is not to the standard that it's supposed to be. And then you're out the door, like that is something that has given us security. And like we, we say, like the, the best part of our married years have been in the work that we've done with Liberty. And we are so grateful. Like, I, I, I continuously tell the people around us that we love what we do. Like, mm-hmm. we absolutely love it. And I think it's credit to the leadership that you and Andy have given over all of Liberty, really. Like, we have actually. We haven't just learned, we've grown and we've enjoyed it in the
1: process. Yeah. yeah.
0: You guys are amazing leaders. And I you know, I think the things that we're wrestling with, they're kind of old problems, aren't they? They're not, you know, I, I yeah. think every generation tends to think that, that they're facing these problems for the first time in human history. But the truth is some of these things really get to the heart of the human condition and require courage and humility and commitment honestly reconciliation goodness how many times have we had over those seven years Mm -hmm. different types (laughs) of misunderstandings or and misunderstandings can be can spiral very easily with with the addition Mm -hmm. of distance and all of those things or yeah uh, you know one of the one of the most troubling moments i was one of my first trips um to southern africa was uh when we were doing some work in zimbabwe and i sat at a hotel restaurant and I, I met a guy, I only ever met him once, but he was from another organization that I won't name. That's an organization that does work all around the world. And I made some comment about something I was wrestling with. And this, this guy says to me, I mean, I'm, I'm just like, I'm learning. I'm like, teach me. And I, he said, oh, you just don't know the golden rule of missions. And you know, gullible me, I'm like, oh, what's the, what's the golden rule of missions? I'm like, teach me. And he says, I mean, sincerely. Says to me, well, the golden rule is, he who has the gold makes the rules.
1: Oh, <laughs> and
0: I didn't know what to say in this moment. Like, where do I? This is like, you know, this is what I actually thought. And maybe these days, if somebody had the courage to say that to me, I would have more courage to respond to them. Which is what I thought inside was. Oh yeah, that's exactly what I can imagine Jesus saying. That's <laughs> That sounds exactly like Jesus. He who has the gold Uh-oh. makes the wheels. Yeah, what is that again, Proverbs? No, not in the Bible. Not in the name of God. Nothing about it. Right? It couldn't be more opposite. But sadly, that, somehow that finds its way into what we mean when we say to serve or to come alongside and, and sometimes corrupts what could be partnership into some sort of something else. And I think, Ziti, you shared, you know, when we were, Talking earlier, you you shared how like even this was even in scripture. Can you can you repeat? You were mm-hmm. talking about the the example of the offering in scripture. That's the same thing, yeah. only thousands of years ago.
3: Yeah, exactly. Um In Second Corinthians, Paul was talking to them about the offering, so they were going to give an offering that was going to be taken to the church in Macedonia, and he said in verse thirteen, "Our desire is not that others might be." relieved while you are hard pressed but that there might be equality at the present time your plenty will supply what they need so that in turn their supply will their plenty will supply what you need the goal is equality and it just jumped out at me because of what you've just said where for some reason whenever we come to help one another even as christians we feel like, well, because we're the ones who are taking this special offering from, you know, the Corinthians to the Jerusalem Christians, we will always be in this position. And yeah, we have the goal. So we make the rules and not here. Like you read just throughout, you read um, more of that chapter and that was mm-hmm. not the spirit of the church and should continue to not be the spirit of the church. And even challenged me when I read it. Um, I really saw it not just in judgment, but like, even when we as a church go to a poor community or media community here locally I shouldn't go there with the attitude like we're here to save the day and tomorrow we'll come to save the day but we're here today be blessed and tomorrow when God blesses you make sure you remember us because we're together like we yeah. are equal and the goal is equality
0: hmm. that's a huge insight and uh, feels timely, doesn't it, for the days that we're living yeah. in, and that
1: yeah.
0: the spirit of the world, or just good old pride, um, <laughs> mm-hmm. doesn't get into our hearts as it as it so easily does. Um, I maybe where we can land. There's so much we could talk about. I just I adore mm-hmm. you guys, and I have huge respect for your wisdom and your insight, and and I'm grateful as I've already shared you know, for who you both are in, in my life personally. But, you, Lou, you may, you. made maybe we can land here. Twice earlier in the conversation, you used the same phrase and it stood out to me. You talked about giving the benefit of the doubt. Mm. So maybe we could just kind of, why, why is that so important in the times that we're living in? Why is that something that's top of mind for you? And then maybe we can kind of pray to close it out.
2: Yeah, I think um, that one is really important for me because um, we always think about generosity as, you know, we can be generous with our finances, but I think giving the benefit of the doubt is being uh, generous to someone with my thoughts, Mm -hmm. because the moment someone does something, um, my thoughts... Are giving them something yeah maybe they're giving them stick for what they've done like how could you do this you are a pastor you should know better <laughs> i mean this is before we've even had a conversation you know we think a lot more about what people have done than we actually do talk about it sometimes mm-hmm. so giving someone the benefit of the doubt i feel like it's being generous with my thoughts sometimes i may be proved wrong like maybe when the time for a confrontation comes and I realized, oh, no, it's, it's worse than I thought. But you know what? Sometimes I'll be proved right. Sometimes I may even realize it's an innocent mistake. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there are some times when you don't even get the opportunity to have the kind of conversation that you want to. But I feel like what's interesting, it keeps you victorious in your approach towards humanity. Mm-hmm. You know, um, there have been so many things that have happened between us that I haven't really been able to explain. I'm like, what exactly did Paul mean there? Or maybe, um, am I getting him right? But giving you the benefit of the doubt keeps me, you know, valuing the relationship Mm -hmm. more than just like one experience that I can't really explain that maybe I'm just not seeing clearly. Mm -hmm. And But if I save the relationship over time, Things will be resolved over time or bring things up. I don't think it's about sweeping things under the carpet because Mm -hmm. that's not helpful either. But I think in our thoughts, we have so many things that we process in our thinking. Mm -hmm. And I feel like in marriage, we learn you know, if (laughs) you're going to stay in love with your spouse, you have to give them the benefit of the doubt. Like, nobody gets married for 11 years. And you're like, I understood everything that my wife said. We resolved every single problem. You know, there are some things (laughs) that happen in the moment. I'm like, you know what? She married me. She loves me. I'm going to give her the benefit of the doubt in (laughs) this. And I feel like for every relationship that will succeed, there has to be generosity in our thinking. Because we actually, we think about things, sometimes even way more than we actually talk about it. So, that's that's something that I find I find it, it 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 helps. It sometimes it even just helps your mood. Yeah. You know there are some times when you don't even have the opportunity to resolve, right? But you know you can help your mood by just you know what I'm going to let that one go. Maybe there's a good explanation for it.
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: even in the times when there isn't the a good explanation, but giving the benefit of the doubt has helped me.
1: Yeah.
0: Mm. Uh, it's good and i love you know what what is so powerful about this and why i feel like it comes so effortlessly to you to give examples is because it's something that you guys live these are things that are easier to say or to teach or to talk about or even believe in as a concept than to actually do in practice right um and it becomes a choice in practice because like you said you know it's about uh believing for the reconciliation of a relationship you know and uh being generous in our thoughts maybe maybe that's a good place for us to land and does one of you maybe want to pray i mean we've talked about so much good stuff in this conversation uh today i feel like we could do five more in a row <laughs> but um but, but does one of you want to maybe pray over everybody listening to this conversation that some of the things that you brought and the challenges and the insights would become heart revelation and, and I guess, action, you know?
1: Yeah.
2: yeah. I would love to pray. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you for the opportunity to pray. Let us pray.
1: Thank
2: you, Father. Thank you. Our Father in heaven, mm-hmm. we are very thankful to you for this conversation. I thank you for everyone who is listening, I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are listening. Mm
1: -hmm. And
2: I pray that in our hearts, may your will be done. Father, we pray that you would help us to walk in the ministry of reconciliation. We thank you that we are the light of the world. Mm -hmm. And a city on a hill cannot be given. Mm -hmm. So I pray in these conversations for change, that you would help us in the attitudes of our hearts to have the same attitude Mm. that Jesus Christ had, Mm. coming on this earth as a servant Mm. and um, dying for us Mm. so that we would be reconciled to you.
1: Mm.
2: I pray that we would extend Mm. your kingdom by walking in that same attitude. I pray for reconciliation everywhere.
1: Father.
2: Father, I believe for reconciliation in the places where Even our eyes cannot see it being possible. Lord, would you open our spiritual eyes to see what you are doing. Lord, I believe for a revival. You say in your word that in the last days, you will pour out your spirit upon all flesh. Mm
1: -hmm. And I Mm -hmm. pray that
2: your Holy Spirit would come upon all the nations. I pray over the nation of the U.S. that the power of the Holy Spirit would come upon that nation. I pray over all of the nations that we will trust in the Lord God, Jehovah, Mm -hmm. and we will be saved. Mm -hmm. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen.
0: Amen. Oh, wonderful. I'm grateful for you both, your wisdom and your your grace, and there's so much good insight. I'm going to go back and listen over this and encourage people to listen to this conversation and i'm grateful grateful for you and believe in great days ahead thank you for your example
3: thank Thank you you, paul Paul. we're so grateful for you too um so grateful for you and andy and the liberty family and we really don't just say it we have such a blessed experience um a global experience and it's been so beautiful so wonderful so fruitful for our lives um and we greatly appreciate you guys too
2: yeah Yeah. it's a relationship that we cherish you know and um we we hope for this for many other people because it has made us better it has elevated us and i'm not just um saying like this is something that um we look back and we're very thankful
1: amen
0: well that's a two-way street because you have made us better and made me better and elevated us as well. So, and isn't that just the way of the kingdom? Better together, right? <laughs> yeah. Yes, it is. <laughs> All right, you guys. Yeah. Thank you for today.
1: Bye